read together to remind us of where we are going, that is towards Jesus, allowing the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, and the family of God to form a fidelity of allegiance to him alone. Please read aloud with me as we confess this together. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, global, and apostolic church. We believe in the forgiveness of sins proclaimed in water baptism. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Faith Church. My name is Matthew. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, one of the pastors here on staff, and man, if it is your first time in the room, I'd, I'd love to say hi right outside in our welcome spot in our lobby. I'd love to shake your hand, hear a little bit of your story, and thank you for being here. And those of you that are online, man, we're, we're so honored uh, to be in your home just for a little bit as we open scripture and uh, connect with the Lord and learn together. If you have a copy of scripture, whether it is in print or digital, uh, will you join me at Ephesians chapter 5? Ephesians 5, it's in the New Testament, uh, towards the, the back half of the book. And uh, we're going to be Ephesians 5 here in just a minute. We've been in a collection of sermons uh, where we have been walking through our mindsets here at Faith Church. Our mindsets are our core values. They're the, they're the thing that um, we really rally around. It's part of um, who we are becoming, who we are, and it's our attitude, our heart posture, our, our priorities. It's, it is kind of our core values as a people, as a congregation, and uh, we really do believe that your mindset matters to every area of your life, especially your faith. And uh, just by way of review, we've talked about how we are rooted. We've said so far that we are for people, that we are together. Today, we're going to talk about how we are focused, and we're going to talk about how we are advancing next week. But today, we want to talk about this mindset that we are focused. Can you say that with me? Say, we are focus. I just need you to like lock in today right here, right here. Wherever you're at, we're going to focus on a few things today. We are, we are focused. And as a church, we prioritize prayer, discipleship, and outreach partnership. Um, throughout this collection, you may have picked up on this, that every week we are taking our main teaching text from the book of Ephesians. 
I think Ephesians is kind of like a master class from the Apostle Paul uh, about what does it mean to, to individually participate in a local body and what does it mean for a local body to participate in the global apostolic worldwide capital C church. And so we've been studying really a large chunk of this book as we've kind of gone along. So today we're going to be in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15, uh, 16 and 17, it says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't Act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Let's unpack these three verses for just a few minutes as we kind of get this idea and get our minds around why we are focused as a church. He says, first, be careful how you live. The activity of your life, be be careful how you live Don't be foolish, but be wise. And he's contrasting these two ideas all through the Bible. You will see this contrast occur. Contrasting the lifestyle and the activities and the thought processes of those who are are foolish and those who are wise. Jesus did this on many occasions. Contrasting the ideas between the life of somebody who is foolish and one who is wise. And it has way more to do with intellectual IQ and book smarts. Like it has way less to do with how you did on the ACT and the SAT. Some of you say, praise God. That's, that's where I'm living these days, right? Praising God for that reality. It has way more to do with really the priorities of your life. Think, think about it like this. What you do with your time, with your talent, and with your treasure matters. It matters eternally. It matters immediately in this day, in this moment, in this time. Immediately, and it has an impact eventually. Why? Because everything that you do is sowing seeds for tomorrow. You are reaping the harvest today of yesterday's activity, of yesterday's seeds, of yesterday's habits that you formed. You are reaping those today. What you do with your time, talents, and treasures matter Today, why? Because we are the sum accumulation of the habits we have allowed to form in our life. Notice what I said, that we have allowed to form in our life. What you do, be careful how you live. Because we're the sum accumulation of of our habits, and and habits are so easily formed, not just based on our desire, but often based on our environment. Have you ever noticed that when you're around people who want to be positive, it's easier to form a habit of being positive? Have you ever noticed that it's easier to form a habit of, uh, of maybe eating healthy when other people in your house are eating healthy? Because have you ever noticed that it's easier to, that that you find yourselves being able to create a habit of studying God's word when people in your sphere of influence are also creating a habit of reading God's word together? Because 
habits are often a product of our environment, which tells me that it's really important who you're around. The priorities of your life, your time, your talent, your training, it matters based on a lot of times the people that you hang with, with, with your circle. He says, be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. You know, we live in a world where uh, for, for, for many people, it's easy to fall into a type of Christianity that is considered consumer Christianity. Be careful, though, because it's easy to slip into this idea that I'm going to church and I'm going to God because I want to get something from God and from the people of God. My marriage is broken and I need to get something from God. Often that's our initial motivation, and that motivation will only last so long. Not, not just as it relates to your marriage, but whatever it is that you think you need God to fix in your life, which by and large is probably everything. There's some area where we really need God to interact and do something in our life, and, and that's an important thing. We understand that that's part of it, but, but we fall into this idea that we live with this Christian consumerism, which... Can I just be real honest? It's an oxymoron. Consumer Christianity is an oxymoron. Because the call of following Jesus is that you would come and die, not come and take all that makes you comfortable and happy and live life. Does God bring blessing into our life? Absolutely. Does God work things out in our life? Yeah. Does, does he work good out in our life? Yeah, absolutely. It's all, all part of it. But what we seek first often determines the habits that are being formed in your life. And he says, you gotta be careful how you live. I wanna maybe give us another definition of this idea of, of consumer Christianity. If I can just for a minute give, give careful thought to how many people live their lives, it's really better to be understood in the concept of practical atheism. Where we have this affinity or an awareness perhaps, theoretically we believe in God, but practically our day in, day out decisions with what we do with our time, our talent and our treasure actually rep, rep, represent a belief that we, don't, we are not sure that Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected, and that he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. We don't live according to that belief. We live according to other beliefs. We live in a way that, that practically represents an allegiance to other idols in our life. For many of us, it's an, it's an idol of selfishness that we bow to. And when I say worship, I mean you give your affection and your mass attention to. Your day-to-day -day schedule, the priorities that you put in place in your life. We, we, we are giving our hearts to other idols in our world. Uh, so, some of us, it's, it's not just an idol of, of our own selfishness. Some of us, it's an idol of what other people think about us. So the mass amount of our time and affection and attention is given to living a life and curating a life that will make other people happy about us. Many of us, it's the, the idol of greed. We're doing everything about our life to form an attention and affection. We are not really careful how we live. We actually are living carelessly, giving our affection and our attention to things that cannot bring true life to us. We live with the idols of our family. We live with the idols of our sport activities. We live with, with an idol of our own preference. And what I'm concerned is that we are handing our kids a faith of convenience and not one of conviction. Because we're not being careful how we live. We're not being careful how we live. 
I love this song that we just sang a minute ago as, as a church. You're the Lord of my life, the King of my heart. Jesus, it's you. And we can't substitute anything. And the Apostle Paul is writing and says, hey, we've got to be careful how we live. You've got to give some attention, some focus to how you live. Not foolishly like the world does, but with some wisdom to be careful how you live. And then he goes on and he says, make the most of every opportunity. Which opportunity? The one that you have right now. Make the most of it. Make the most of the opportunity you're going to have in 20 minutes from now. Make the most of the opportunity that you're faced with in two days, in three days, in four days, in five years, on Thursday afternoon, and on Friday night, on Saturday when you're making your plans. Make the most of every opportunity. I really do think that this speaks to this understanding of why it's important to have focus in your life. Because without focus, you will not make the most of every opportunity. You might get lucky and by happenstance stumble into making the most of a moment. But focus has to do with some predetermination to make the most of every opportunity. It has a predecision as it relates to some of the, the, the values that you have in your life. It, focus has a way of, of using your time on what matters most. It's not just about using your time on what matters. There are a lot of things that matter to your life. There are a lot of things that matter to my life. Focus creates an environment and a predecision in our hearts that allows us to make a decision and prioritize what matters most. He says, make the most of every opportunity that you have in your life. Every opportunity. Make the most of it. And I think focus uh, is, is about using our time on what matters most. Can, can I be real, real honest just for a minute? And I'm going to be honest anyway. So whether you give me permission or not, that's just my way of softening this blow to let you know that if you're easily offended, just bring your toes in from the aisle because I'm about to step on something. You make time for what matters most to you. I can't go to Connect Group. I, I don't have time during the week to attend a connect group, but you can make time for what matters most to you. Let's just be honest. Gathering with people of God during the week doesn't matter all that much to you. Can we be honest? It matters more to us sometimes that our kids get to experience every activity under the sun, and it matters less to us that they're sitting in environments where their habits can be formed in the ways of Jesus. It, can we just be honest for a minute? Can we call a spade a spade and just say, you know what? It really matters more to me what people think about me in a church of people who are also thinking what matters most to them is really just themselves. Rather than lifting my hands in worship and surrender as an expression of worship to God, what matters more to me is what people think about me. So I'm going to just stay. So we miss a moment to encounter the living God because we're concerned with what matters most to us. And we're not making the most of every opportunity with some focus of what it is that I really, really need and long for in my life. Make the most of every opportunity. I think, I think focus does a few things for us. I think focus brings us clarity. I think focus helps us walk in unity. And I, and I think focus helps us have strength as a church. 
focus is a wonderful thing. It, it, it clarifies some things. It clarifies what our calling and our assignment is as a church. It, it clarifies the things that we, we give our attention to, making the most of opportunities, help, helps clarify a call and an assignment. Think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is known by and large by most people as the author of most of the New Testament. Do you know that writing letters was not Paul's assignment or his calling? Think about it. His calling was to be an apostle. His assignment was to be an apostle to Gentiles or those people outside the Jewish faith. Some of his activity included writings because that was the avenue by which he could fulfill his assignment. His assignment wasn't writing. His assignment was the Jews, and he was called to be an apostle. As a church, we, we continue to recognize that our assignment, our calling as a church is to bring faith to life. It is our calling as a people. We want to bring faithfulness, allegiance, commitment to Jesus alive for other people. And I, I think part of that comes by us focusing in on a few things. Having a life-giving Sunday experience where people far from God, people who've fallen away from God, people who are really familiar with God can encounter the life-giving presence of Jesus every Sunday. We're all about it. And we want to bring a message and bring teaching that is life-giving, that not only inspires you on a Sunday, but has great impact on your Friday as well. It's a both and for us as a church. We're focused, and this focus helps us understand what our calling is. It helps us have unity. Unity is walking together in a agreed-upon direction. And I think sometimes what really helps us in unity as a people is having some predetermined priorities. We don't wait until the moment to decide what our priority is. We pre-decide what our priorities are going to be, and we focus in that direction. I, I have a, of a priority. I, I believe that Sunday gathering is a priority for me. I put a lot of time and energy and effort into what happens in this moment. So much so that even last night, I decided to not take it to chance. I pre-decided what I was going to wear. I, I ironed it for you. Like, I did all of these things. Like, I pre-decided some things because it was a non-negotiable. I'm showing up on Sunday. And I want to come bringing, bringing my best. There, there are some things that helps us have unity in our marriage. My wife and I, we, we've pre-decided to be people of reconciliation within our marriage. It's not always quick. It's not always easy, and it's rarely painless, but we have pre-decided to walk in agreement together, and there are moments in our marriage where there is a disagreement, and you come to a crossroads. As a people, in every relationship, you will come to a moment where you have a disagreement. There is a crossroad. There are only two ways to have unity in a relationship. I'm going to set some of you free. Only two ways. You can have agreement, or when there is a disagreement, somebody can walk in submission. The only way to keep walking in unity. And when you are focused on the right priorities in any relationship, including a church, it makes it easier to say, okay, if my activity is going to lead me away from a priority, I'm going to submit my, and I'm going to change my priorities so that we maintain the predetermined priorities that we have as the people of God. Focus helps us walk in unity, but it doesn't just help us walk in unity. It actually gives us some strength. Think about it. The focus of a laser, the strength of a laser, it can cut things. It can help surgically repair things. Why? Because it's taking the, these optical things and it's creating such a pinpoint precision of focus. It's not shooting everywhere, 
is shooting somewhere specific. Think about weightlifting. When you want to be effective in your weightlifting, this is what I'm told anyways, that, that the best thing to do is to focus on one muscle group at a time, to focus each time in the gym on a muscle group. Not try to hit every muscle group, but hit a muscle group. Why? Because focus helps you get beyond the distractions of what you could do and prioritize what you need to do. What is most important, why? Because we want to make the most of every opportunity, and it brings some strength to us. You know, one of the strengths that we have as a church is we're pretty confident and comfortable saying no. Hey, I think we ought to try doing this. No, I don't think we will. Hey, you know what you really ought to do is you really ought to do this. Mm, No. We have an assignment and a calling. We have some priorities. And we believe that there is a strength that comes when we are focused on those things. Why? Because we want to make the most of the opportunities that we have. Why? Because one day the opportunities will run out. One day the sand glass of your life runs out. Eternity is at stake. So we want to make the most of every opportunity as a people. He goes on to say, he says, be careful how you live. Make the most of every opportunity. And then here's the last thing he says, don't act thoughtlessly. Don't act thoughtlessly. Don't just fall into the mindlessness of your life. Don't just, don't just keep strolling through life. Live life. Like, don't just act thoughtlessly. This word thoughtlessly, it, in the original language, it literally means this. Acting without reflection or awareness. Like not having any self-awareness. Not having any corporate awareness. Not having any awareness of your life. I'm just acting. I'm letting my emotions dictate my responses and my actions. I'm just acting thoughtlessly. I have not given any careful thought or reflection or awareness to those things. Have you ever uh, met anybody that you would uh, easily classify as gullible? Don't, don't raise your hands and don't point at them, but like, just, just, just follow with me for a minute. Like, they're kind of gullible. My oldest sister, uh, when she was learning how to drive as a teenager, I told her one time, I said, hey, Cheryl, you know, Uh, that all of the stop signs with white around them, those are optional. She was like, oh, good, I see those everywhere. I hate stopping at stop signs. My dad quickly corrected the lie and was like, no, 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 Cheryl, that's actually not, that's not how it it works. I don't know if you're like this, but I uh, I am entirely a sucker for really good advertisement and TV ads. Any, any, like, anybody, like, I'm a sucker for it. Like, one that always gets me. Have you seen the advertisement uh, online or, or uh, on TV for the, the de-icer that's like a circular thing, right? Like, when your windshield gets iced up, there's, like, this claw that you can just put on and, like, circle, wax on, wax off, and the ice is, like, magically gone. I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to buy one of those. I'm just a sucker for it. I think, like, if this pastor gig doesn't work out for me, I think I'm going to try to create a YouTube channel where I just test random products and, like, tell you if they work or not. I think that would be great. Or maybe I'll just give Blippi a run for his money. I don't know. One of those others, maybe I could make that work. I think that if we're not careful, if we're not giving careful thought 
we will then act thoughtlessly. I think acting thoughtlessly can be summarized in two things. When we act based on our emotions and when we live based on a lie. And the enemy's greatest scheme is to get you to believe a lie that creates you living in a direction that misses the opportunities that God has for you and is careless in how you live your life. The enemy's scheme is to get you to believe a lie. In his book, Live No Lies, author John Mark Comer says this. He says, for Jesus, the secular theories that attempted to explain evil as simply a lack of education, inadequate wealth redistribution, Marxist power analysis, or even the toxicity of religion gone bad all fall short of explaining the reality. The only way to make sense of the evil in all its uh, malevolence from large global systems of evil, such as systematic racism or economic economic colonialism, to much smaller human-scale evil, such as our inability to stop our own self-destructive drinking or hold back from biting comments towards other friends, is to see an animating force behind those things, adding fuel to the proverbial fire, dividing humanity against itself in a kind of societal, uh, societal suicide. For Jesus... The devil's end goal is to spread death. Verbatim, Jesus said, he was a murderer from the beginning. What is a murderer? Someone whose intent is to end life. Jesus went on to say, the thief, another name for the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. For Jesus, the devil is the archetype of a villain who is hell-bent on destruction. He just wants to watch the world burn. His motto, tear it all down. Wherever he finds life, he tries to stamp it out. Beauty, deface it. Love, corrupt it. Unity, fragment it into a million pieces. Human flourishing, push it to anarchy or tyranny. Either will do. His anti-life, pro-death, pro-chaos agenda is an insatiable fire. And the devil's means to do this is simply lies. Lies. Whether you've probably realized it or not, can I, can I just pull back the curtain for a minute? There is likely an element of your life, your patterns, your focus and priorities, your perspective as it relates to the world around you, your approach to God and humanity is likely built somewhere on a lie that the devil sold you. It's true in my life. Things that lead me when what I really need is some times of refreshing in prayer, I choose instead catching up on what's happening on ESPN because I feel like it's a greater escape and I need to stay sharp and be connected with what culture's happening. I don't really need that. But my soul does need to breathe. It needs restoration. Listen how the Apostle Paul talks about these, these focuses. He, he says, starting in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 5, he says it like this. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. 
Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. I feel like today part of my assignment in in our time together is to help wake you up. Can't hit snooze anymore, friends. We cannot live carelessly or thoughtlessly. We need to start making the most of every opportunity. We need to give careful thought to what is happening because the days are evil. And we need to carefully determine what pleases not me, not the people around you, not society, not the other parents that you hang with, roll with, and have been doing life with. No, carefully determine what pleases the Lord and focus like a laser as a church, there are three things that, that we do believe are close to the heart of God that we've chosen to laser in on. The first is prayer. Jesus said it like this, my house will be called a house of really good sermons. For those of you who are new to, to studying the Bible, that's actually not what it says. He didn't say, my house will be called a house of really great ministries and programs that keep you busy in life. My house will be a house of prayer. As a church, we've chosen to focus in on, on prayer. Ephesians 6, chapter 10, the apostle Paul talks about the importance of prayer. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm, don't miss this, against all strategies of the devil. He has a strategy for you. And if his strategy also includes you not getting in prayer, why? Because in moments of prayer is actually where you strengthen your connection to God. And when you strengthen your connection to God relationally, you walk in the power of God in a demonstration in your life beyond. He says, for we all are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. He jumped down to verse 18, and he says, So pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Paul's admonition to us is, Hey, if you carefully want to determine what pleases the Lord, no prayer pleases the Lord. As a church, it's something that we give our lives to. This is why we prioritize First Wednesday. It's on the calendar. If it's not on your calendar, could I encourage you to mark the first Wednesday of every month, 7 to 7.45, you're going to gather with us and we are going to pray. Is that the only time we pray? No, but this is the starting point for us as a church. This is why we do things like 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're in the middle of it right now. It's coming towards the end. We have seven days left of prayer and fasting. If you haven't jumped in and haven't participated or you started and kind of fell off the wagon, jump back on seven days, build up, prioritize it, focus it, set in a calendar alert, and let's pray together. 
There are prayer apps and resources on our central hub to help you develop and cultivate a life of prayer. We have prayer available at the end of every service to my left, your right, in a spot that we call, really cleverly, the prayer spot. Because <laughs> if you need prayer in your life for anything, large or small, that's the spot you go to. And, and knowledge, everybody say knowledge. And knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring to the full and complete standard of Jesus himself. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body and church. Discipleship. Discipleship is knowing God, Father, Son, and Spirit, relationally through his word. Discipleship is practicing the way of Jesus. Discipleship is leading other people to know God, Father, Son, and Spirit through his word and to practice the way of Jesus. This is what it looks like to be an apprentice of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, to be a, a disciple of Christ. And, and we are so full on, passionate about, and focused in on discipleship. This is what we do at every age environment that we have. From the youngest to the oldest among us, every age environment, we are, we are focused in on discipleship, helping people know God, follow the way of Jesus, and lead others to do the same. From our youngest to our oldest, this is what we do in our small groups. For our middle school and our high school, we're discipling them. This is what we do on Sunday morning in our kids' environments. They're worshiping, they're singing, and they're getting in interactive lessons on their age level to help them grow and know Jesus, to live it out practically the ways of Jesus, and then to lead their friends to do the same. This is what we are focused in on as a church. We are focused on discipleship. This is why we do things like the SOAP 2.0 journals for you. This is why over the summer we do a, a, a whole church study on some level that helps us grow in our knowledge and understanding. This is why we have connect groups to help you grow relationally and to grow with God. They're all kicking off in February. You need to be in a connect group. And this is why today I'm really excited to, to let you know that we are launching something brand new, a resource for you individually to benefit from, but a resource that you can take other people through to help them become disciples. It's something that we're calling the Fresh Start Pathway. And it correlates with this Bible that we've been giving away since uh, before Christmas and we've made available for you to purchase if you want one. It's called the Fresh Start Bible. We have curated 52 individual lessons and topics designed to help you create a fresh foundation for your faith and understanding in God's word. 52 videos, 52 lessons at the front of your Fresh Start Bible that you can read with corresponding questions at the end. 52 of them, different topics. We've broken these into eight different segments with multiple kind of lessons in each segment. This is something that I want to encourage you individually to go through. This is something that I personally am going through with my kids to help them have a fresh foundation 
of their faith in God. This is something that we want to make, and it's going to be available on our central hub from now until Jesus tells us to do something different, that this fresh start is going to be available for you. When you have friends who are like, I, I kind of want to know more about God and Jesus and the Bible, and you're like, yeah, let me go take you to a pastor, and they can teach you. No, 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 no. Here's your answer. Oh, cool. I'll get you a Bible. I've got this Bible. Here's a link to the central hub. Let's start going through the fresh start journey together. Why? Because a disciple is not just somebody who knows God's personally. It's not just somebody who practices the way of Jesus personally. It's someone who helps others do that too. And now we're giving you this tool and this resource and saying, ready, go. Ready, go. I want to encourage you individually, go through it. We'll walk you through on the central hub, each segment, step by step. But if you really want to grow, and you're, you're really at a place of really learning some things on your own, and you really are looking for a fresh start individually, don't do it by yourself. Do it with someone else. And watch it begin to grow. I, I think that this will be a tool that many of our connect groups will be using. Things that you can do personally, individually, with other people, with your own family, to create a fresh foundation of allegiance and commitment and fidelity to who Jesus is. We are focused on discipleship. That's why we have these resources. And, and then finally, we're focused in on having outreach partners. Outreach partners for us. Ephesians 4.16 says this. He says, he makes the whole body fit perfectly together. Each part does its own special work, and it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We believe it is wise to partner with other organizations that are already doing great work, locally and globally. I don't believe that we have to create the mechanisms and the programs and the outreaches because we need our own thing. There are other parts of the global body that are already doing some things way better. They have the infrastructure. They have the passion. They have the calling and assignment. We have an assignment as a church. They have assignment as an organization. Why not partner together? And we can supply what maybe they're lacking. What might they be lacking? Volunteers? And resources? And so we partner with these ministries, locally and globally, financially, and at times with bodies to help accomplish something that they need help doing, but they don't have access to a group of people who love Jesus and want to make him known in their world. That's maybe where we come in. Can I just share something on my heart? Before we ever arrived here in Fort Scott to pastor almost six years ago now, Amber and I, there were, there were several things that the Lord placed on my heart. These mindsets, our vision, but one of the things that I really believe that God um, was assigning for this body to be, hear me real carefully, I really do believe that he was asking and, and wanting to cultivate from this house that this would be a house of resource, that we, we would be a resource church to other organizations, to other, other ministries, even other churches. That there, there would be an element of resource that we would supply I think some of the areas that I, I felt like we will be resourcing are helping marriages get stronger and better later this fall we're going to do another XO marriage conference it'll be incredible I think one of the other resources uh, 
is to help people grow in their own personal fidelity and faith to Jesus. This is why we do journaling and these other things that we produce. I felt like the Lord just put it on my heart real clear. If you'll build people of faith, I'll do what I promised and build a church. We're not trying to build a big church. That's Jesus' job. You know what our passion is? What we're focused on? Is resourcing people to equip them to be big people of faith in Jesus who have a faithfulness to him in their life. And this area of partnership, these outreaches, extending the reach through local partnerships, they do it better than we're going to do it. They're better equipped to reach the groups and the assignment that God has called them to do. We don't need to take their assignment over. We can bless them as they live out their assignment too. This is the power of focus. Making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because opportunities are limited. We don't have limitless opportunity. We can make the most of every opportunity that God has given to us by living with focus. We, faith church, we are you stand with me? We're going to come to the table of the Lord. And if you're at home, hopefully you've got some elements nearby, bread, juice, something along those lines. If you're in the room, hopefully you've got these elements nearby. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we have an open table. We invite you to come and partake of these things if you've given your life to Jesus. And so if you have them with you, go ahead and take the top layer and go, just open it up and kind of get the, the wafer out. Then when you're done with that, go ahead and open up the next layer Get the juice and just kind of hold them in each hand. We'll partake in a minute and then once we're done and we dismiss, on your way out, our hosts, they'll be at the door with some waste baskets and you can um, dispose of your empty cups at that moment in time. But we come to this moment every week where we come to the table and kind of take some deep breaths and we fix our focus. You know what we fix our focus on every Sunday at this moment? He's the author and the finisher of our own faith in Jesus. Would you close your eyes? Just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Where's my focus been lately? What's been the priority of my life lately? What am I giving my time, talent, and treasure to this past season? Jesus, we want to fix our focus on you. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off and get rid of every weight that slows us down. That's a priority in our life that doesn't belong. And especially every sin that easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates the perfect and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Jesus, you fixed your focus on us and your assignment of bringing redemption for us. So, Lord, in return today, we want to fix our focus on you and say, would you be the Lord of our life and the king of our heart, including the way that we schedule our life? 
in the activities that we give thought to. But that's the cry of our heart today. That last meal together, Jesus took some bread and he says, this is my body broken for you. Every time you do this, remember me. Let's do that together right now. Take the bread. Then he took a cup and he says, this is the cup of a new covenant, a new contract I'm making with humanity. Where their sins can be forgiven and their relationship can be connected to God directly. Every time you drink this cup, do it remembering me. Let's remember that together. Take the cup. Lord, today we have heard your word and try to be faithful to, to say what you asked me to say. Lord, I pray that this week you would help us fix our focus to not live carelessly, to rather make the most of our opportunities to discover what our assignment and calling and priority is as individuals, but also as a church, and help us move in that direction. I pray, Lord, that you would bless your people. Would you keep them? Would you make your face shine on them and be gracious to them? Would you lift your countenance towards us and give us your peace? We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all the people said, amen. Amen. Thanks. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.